Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. 2020 is a year where grief has taken the forefront. We're dealing with a COVID-19 pandemic and with that comes serious illness as well as death. And for some of our young people, this can be hard to understand. Today, we're joined by Andrea Warnick. She is a registered psychotherapist. Today, she'll give us some tips, some advice on how we can recognize if our child is struggling. Also, give us some ideas on how we can talk to our children about grief. That's today on Connections. We're joined today by Andrea Warnick. She is a psychotherapist. She's also a kid's grief expert. Grief, though, is not something that people like to talk about. Why is grief something that we tend to stray away from? I find that in our society, we really struggle with intense emotions. And so, you know, grief by its nature involves incredibly intense emotions. For many people experiencing grief in their life, it's, you know, the most intense emotions that they've ever had in their life. And so, you know, just by virtue of as a society struggling with big feelings and everything, it makes grief really difficult to navigate. And you know, I think people are uncomfortable with the topic of death as well. And so when grief is related to death, it just makes it even more uncomfortable for people, often because they're worried about saying or doing the wrong thing. And I guess when it comes to kids, that can be even more complicated. Absolutely. And it's part of the complexity with how kids grieve is often they look like they're so okay that the adults in their life will just assume they're okay and not show up or check in around their grief experience. So speaking of that, we're in 2020. We are experiencing grief in more ways than we can even imagine this year. Why is it so important to put a focus on how kids are feeling when it comes to grieving as we deal with 2020? Well, 2020 has brought a whole lot of additional barriers. I mean, grieving is already hard work, um, but now doing it in the face of a pandemic and the barriers that come with, you know, if children do have somebody who's seriously ill or dying in their life, um, possibly not being able to be there, families being separated. So one of the things, even when I'm teaching kids about grief, I'm really clear that grief isn't just specific to death. Grief is any time that we have a big loss in our life. And for kids right now who also have to be separated from their parents because their parents may be healthcare providers or whatever the situation is, exposures to COVID, there's all kinds of grief that kids are actually experiencing right now, sometimes related to death or sometimes not. And there's this powerful concept in psychology. This is actually the work of Dr. Daniel Siegel, but called Name It to Tame It. And that's where it's so important to name grief, teach kids what grief means. Sometimes kids will say to me, you know, I feel like I'm going crazy. I didn't know it could be this hard. And that's where if we can name it and help them understand that what they're feeling is hard, but totally natural and healthy, that can be very empowering and supportive in a difficult situation. I know even in our household that a four-year-old and a six-year-old, we have my husband works in the healthcare world. He's a nurse. So we have that fear of COVID every single day. But I'm also noticing with my children, though, not only are they grieving they're not really grieving a death right now. They're grieving the loss of, and I don't want to say their childhood, but their friendships mm-hmm. um, and not being able to play with other kids um, as we continue to deal with the kind of numbers of COVID that we're dealing with these days. 
Absolutely. And that's where I think it's really important to sort of brainstorm with kids and help them name all the losses. You know, I know for my nine-year-old, the loss of being able to go to summer camp, which she was looking forward to all year, was huge for her. And for some kids, it was a relief not to have to go to camp. There's just, you know, there's such a wide variety. Some kids are also grieving financial security because they now have parents who have lost their jobs in all of this. Um, And as you said, that's a beautiful example. So many kids really deeply grieving that connection with other human beings and their peers. And that's where I find that it can really help with kids just to do a brainstorm of like, what are some of the things that we are really missing in this experience? Where do we start? You're you're saying naming them, but how do you even just get right in there with these kids like, hey, let's talk about grief today. How do you start that conversation? Yeah, you know, I I will often just like, I actually do jump in there a lot. And I'll just say, um, you know, I'm wondering if what you understand about the word grief, you know, and a lot of times kids aren't actually that familiar with it at all, or they'll think it's just sad. And that's where I'll say, you know, like grief is an important thing to talk about, because as human beings, like we're going to experience it many times in our life. And, you know, it doesn't, it, sad is a big feeling that we have in grief, but sometimes, or a lot of times, there's a lot of other feelings too. And that's where I want to help really foster emotional literacy in kids, give them a wide repertoire of different words and names. For so many kids, their grief is not going to come out verbally. It'll come out in their behavior. So maybe they have trouble sleeping. Maybe they haven't been sucking their thumb for a few years and now they are. Um, Maybe they're mad more. I was doing a session with a kid the other day and we were talking about sometimes it's easier to be mad than sad. And so our behavior, our grief feeling can come out as mad. And that's where I just like to, you know, do some education with them about it. Make it fun for kids, you know, like draw on colored paper for all of the different feelings. But one of the things I always, like anytime I'm teaching kids, whether it's my own kids or kids that I'm professionally supporting about grief, I always want to make sure that, you know, one of the words on the grief brainstorm is happy and fun. And one of the key things I want to make sure kids know, whether they're grieving a death or missing their friends, or they've got parents who are separating, is that, you know, happy and fun, like enjoying, continuing to enjoy your life, that can be a part of grief too. And that's a bit confusing for kids. Sometimes they'll actually feel guilty. Like maybe I shouldn't be happy when, you know, my grandma has cancer and I can't be spending time with her or I've been separated from my grandparents because of COVID. And it's so important that we really validate for kids that even when we're grieving, it's okay to have fun and enjoy life. And To be honest, Colleen, kids do a beautiful job of that innately. They do an incredible job of balancing joy and sorrow at the same time in a way that most adults struggle to do. That was going to be the next thing I was going to say. Like, us as adults, we can't figure this out, but kids are so amazing at at doing that. They really are. And that's where as much as I advocate for adults opening the conversation about grief, it shouldn't be up to kids to start the conversation, whether it's about death, whether it's about grief related to any loss. But then I also encourage adults, like, learn from your kids in how they do this. You know, adults are quick to feel guilty if they're having a good time and and things like that, even when they're in the depths of their grief. Um, And that's where, again, kids, it's kind of like puddle jumping. When they're in the grief, it can feel huge. The emotions can be overwhelming. I'll often refer to those as grief bursts. 
totally natural, even years and years after a death or a significant loss. Um, and then they're going to jump out and go play. And to be honest, that could literally be, they might've just found out that a parent's been diagnosed with cancer or a grandparent died or whatever the situation is. And they may be devastated for like seven minutes and then say, can I go play hockey? And often that will freak adults out, but it's completely natural and healthy for them to self-regulate that way. That's amazing. Um, you were mentioning that um, a lot of kids are able to, I guess, I don't want to call it hide how they are feeling, um, but they're able to put it in the back of their mind. How do we as parents pay attention to that and realize that our kids may be struggling and we don't actually um, know it? I know you mentioned behavior, but are there any other signs that we can be looking for? Yeah. So, I mean, for sure, watching for the behaviors are always key. I mean, even in schools, one of the things that's so hard for kids when they're grieving is to concentrate and focus, you know, and that's where a parent might not necessarily see those things. Um, But that's where I really encourage parents, like, do like talk to your kids, open the conversation. Don't force them if they don't want to talk about things. Some kids are way more verbal than others. You know, but sometimes it's experimenting, experimenting. I know a lot of the families that I work with will say that for their teenagers, they find that, you know, if you have a car traveling in the car where everyone's looking straight ahead can be some of the times where there's the most open conversation. Some kids open up a little bit more like some kids are morning talkers. So it's more about creating opportunities for conversation, not necessarily being like, let's sit down and talk about this right now. You know, and just letting them know that as adults, like this grief stuff is hard and confusing for us too. But really encouraging that if kids have questions about it, if there's things that they're struggling with in any way, that we're a safe place for them to share those struggles with. And I think one of the hardest things for parents often is there's such an intense desire to fix their children's pain and their emotional struggles and sorrows. And one of the biggest parts of being able to really support kids in the healthiest way possible when they're grieving is to be able to do what, you know, many people will refer to as bearing witness. Sometimes it's not saying anything, but it's just being in the space and holding your kid when they're having a really hard time, not trying to fix it, but just being with them in it. What about those older kids, the youth, the teens um, that are kind of like, I don't want to be around my parents when I'm grieving? How do we deal with that? Yeah, and I find like it really is hard for teens who are grieving because it's natural for them to feel like I'm sort of pulling away from my parents, my family. Like that's a natural developmental stage for them. And yet when teens are experiencing grief sometimes that's they're almost in a bit of conflict because their instinct is to hold on and to want affection and things like that but they're kind of pushing away from it and that's where I find that whenever possible finding ways that grieving teens can also hopefully connect with other grieving teens and that you know the irony here is teens are often the most resistant if you're like oh there's a grief support program or there's an online virtual grief group or a grief weekend bereavement camp I find it's much easier to get your eight-year-old there than your 14-year-old yet when teens get there they usually benefit from it the most because the tendency for teens is that they want to get a lot of their support from friends and I find in situations you know if there's a death that happens in the school community or something like that. Teens actually like really show up well for communi- supporting one another for the most part. 
But many of the teens I work with, like the death has been in their personal life or the serious illness has been in their personal life. And their instinct may be to get their support from their friends, but rarely are their friends well equipped to show up for them and support them the way they need to be. And that's where I really encourage families find out if there are, you know, resources in the community where they can connect with other teens or online. There's websites for teens who have experienced the death of a parent or have somebody with cancer in their life. And that's where I think it's really important to have on our radar if we can connect them. We still need to show up as adults for them as well. Um, but find if there's other teens that they can connect with tends to be incredibly helpful for them. Now, speaking of resources, there's a new resource now uh, with kidsgrief.ca to support teachers and grieving students. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually just launched it this uh, over the past month. And um, it's the it's we've sort of built off a previous site, which was kidsgrief.ca. And kidsgrief.ca really walks parents. And when I say parents, I mean anyone raising a kid. It could be an auntie, a foster parent. But anyone who's raising a kid, it walks them through how to talk to kids about death and dying, whether somebody's dying from an illness, whether there's been a suicide, death in a family, whether there's a medically assisted death that's happening. Um, and when we launched that, a lot of educators came to us and they said, we need something similar. And so at Canadian Virtual Hospice, we decided we need to make that happen. And so now we've got a whole section specifically for educators, administrators, anybody working in community programs. And it's really tailored towards them to be able to recognize, again, what kids grief looks like, because it's probably not a kid coming up in your classroom saying, oh, I'm grieving right now. My grandma died over the weekend, Um, you know, and really sort of sharing best practice approaches for supporting kids, because next to families, kids spend most of their time at school. And so educators, administrators, anyone working within the school system um, are so important that they are well informed in terms of how to support kids who are grieving. I guess a lot of kids do spend more time in the school, maybe not so much nowadays with COVID, but kids are spending a lot more time in school than they are at home. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I mean, we always want parents to feel well equipped and make sure that we've got support for parents. But, you know, next to that, I think absolutely, like, if you break down the hours, kids are probably spending more time with their teacher than they are with parents even. And, you know, what we know is that not all communities have grief support centers and groups and things like that. Not all communities have grief support counselors, and not everyone's going to be able to afford to get to them anyway. And this is where it's so important that we really, as humans who are all going to experience grief in our lives at various times, that we all on the front lines of healthcare schools, you know, and of course, parents have have some guidance on how to best support kids. Because the thing is, there are a lot of myths and misconceptions out there. It's still very common for people to think, oh, don't bring kids to a funeral or don't have them see grandma as she's dying or don't tell them that mom has cancer. There's a ton of literature out there and we know all of that is not true and it actually complicates the grief process for kids. One of the most important things we can do is be honest and include kids. Do you want to come to the hospice to see grandma? This might be the last time you're able to see her alive. You know, include them in funerals and our rituals around death. And again, COVID is complicating that, but that's where we need to be creative and make sure we're still finding ways, even if it's just in our homes of having kids have rituals and be involved when somebody's ill or somebody's died. It's funny you mentioned that you just brought back a memory um, when I was in, oh, it had to have been junior high or high school. They asked us to write a little article and my article was on exactly that. I was a youth and we had a lot of death going on in our family and my family tried to hide it 
from us as the kids because they didn't want to affect us. I ended up writing an article about it. So exactly what you're saying is extremely true because I was that young person writing that article when I was young. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and what I find is that the irony in that, because this is very common, unfortunately, is usually when parents are hiding that there's a serious illness or a death, because we've certainly had it happen in my family as well. Usually the intent is a good one. It's this intent of, I want to protect my children. And that's where, to me, as someone who's studied this a lot, it's so unfortunate because um, really we know that the best way to protect kids is to prepare them and to include them. And so the intent is really good, but it's misguided. And that's why we felt it was so important to have easily accessible information on the website of kidsgrief.ca and now the educators portion as well. So that families and professionals can actually access very well-informed, well-researched information about actually what is the best way to support kids when there's death going on in a family. So we mentioned kidsgrief, kidsgrief.ca. Are there any other resources out there or any way that people can learn more about you? Uh, let us know of any of those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got a website, which is www.andreawarnick.com. And on there, I've got um, a whole bunch of resources, like a lot of my favorite resources. There's a great tip sheet on there that's from the Dougie Center in the U.S., which is specifically for supporting grieving preschoolers, which I think is so important because a lot of people really get um, especially concerned about the little kids and thinking that they can't handle it. We can't tell them. And again, there's a lot of research and my clinical practice absolutely backs this up. We can absolutely talk to little kids about serious illness and death and COVID-19 and all of these things. And that's where um, I really try to make accessible resources, you know, to help people do this. There are website, there's a website for, called Slapped and it's surviving life after the death of a parent. And that's actually a website by grieving teens for grieving teens. So I've been trying to include a lot of those on um, my website. We've certainly included a lot of them in Canadian virtual hospice as well. We've got tip sheets for supporting kids who are going to a funeral. Um, there's an organization in, in the States, Good Grief, who did a great um, tip sheet on how to support kids who are grieving in a pandemic when they may not actually be able to go to a funeral. So those are available. Some of them are available on my website. Some are available um, on the virtual hospice website. And I'd also say to check out, because I know that tip sheet per se is available on the Children and Youth Grief Network website. And that they've just got tons of information on that website is the Children and Youth Grief Network, and that's Canadian wide. And um, lots of tip sheets and information for people to access, whether you're a parent or prof professional looking to support a grieving child. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrea. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, Connections airs twice a day, once in the morning as well as once in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.